Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are breaking down John Rahm's seventh career victory, this time the Mexico Open. And joining me, the coach is here. What's going on, coach? Let's go, let's go, let's go. I called John Rahm for two of his four rounds uh, this weekend, and this might have been his best ball-striking tournament he's ever had, at least for two rounds. I'm anxious to talk about this. Let's go. Uh, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good to see you. What's going on, boys? Uh, John Rom was uh, his what he does with the driver is just incredible, and it just continues on and on and on. So I, I loved watching him this week. I'm a coach. I'm I'm really excited to get to to break this down. I think the fans are turning on each other, coach, in the chat right now. Kyle Richmond says, "Well, I voted for John Rom in the one and done. You know, don't don't blame me for all the stuff. They ended up going with Gary Woodland, but they didn't get the Rom money. I'm in their head." I'm absolutely in their head. They're second guessing themselves now because we do this all the time, don't we? Oh, we should have taken that guy. We could. Hey, listen, once you make your selection fans at home, stick with it. You can't go backwards. You can only go forwards. Oh, but I can't say I don't enjoy it just a little bit. <laughs> the uh, the some of the shortest odds we've ever seen, Greg, from a winner on the PGA Tour. So dating back to 2013. John Rahm, some places, most places, three and a half to one plus 350. Just the fourth golfer uh, with those odds to ever actually win. Rory and Spieth did it in 2015. DJ did it at the Tour Championship. You could probably throw that one out. That was a staggered start anyway with only 30 golfers. So quite rare for one, somebody to be this short in the betting market and then two actually win. Right. It puts a lot of pressure on a player um, when when you're in a field where, you know, you're the best player and you know, you should win. It's it's not an easy thing to get it done. That's what we've seen time and time again on the PGA Tour. And a lot of these events where you have this top heavy kind of field, we often get first time winners. Uh, and it's it's more proof that it's so difficult to win on on the PGA Tour. But when you step up and you're the world number one and you win, or you're the favorite in the event and you win, um, you know, lead going into uh 54, the, the last round as the 54 hole leader and you win. These are high pressure moments because you should win and you know it and everybody else knows it. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, you know, we talked about on Friday, Rick, how there was going to be, how John Ron would have to go and win this thing over the weekend with only a one shot lead. And a lot of guys who who could make birdies and a lot of different styles working on the golf course, he would have to stay in front and go earn it. And that's not easy to do. It's exactly what he did. Yeah. And it was kind of a little bit, I don't want to say bizarre or odd coach, but he only made seven birdies on the weekend. He was only five under. He didn't run away with it, but he kind of just swatted off all the chasers as they came up. Cam Champ, get out of here. Kurt Kitayama, no thanks. Brandon Wu, sorry, just a couple of shots short. Uh, did most of his work on Thursday and Friday and did enough 
to hoist the trophy on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, he started with a 64, backed that up with a 566. Uh, and he really figured things out through the first 36 holes. And this was a tournament, guys. Obviously, it's a new course. Uh, but the greens were humongous. The fairways were completely wide. So how do you make your mistakes? Well, you don't have the right distance control. And that's why I said I thought this was one of his best ball striking weeks of, of the year, if not of all of his wins. Because of that, he said his putting was atrocious over the weekend, and it was. He made nothing, but he also didn't go backwards other than maybe one bogey today at the very least. I thought, and I think Greg brings up a great point. We talked about it on the broadcast all week. Uh, the longer you go between wins, the harder it is to win. And then my partner, Andre Gonzalez, he played five years on the tour. I said, how come he hasn't won in 11 months? He said, Coach, it's really, really hard to win on the PJ Tour, no matter how good you are. Because look at this week. What was the storyline, guys, Tuesday on the Mega Preview? Oh, it's going to be a boring tournament. He's going to run away with it. It's going to be nothing on Sunday. Sometimes weeks like this can be the most fun to watch, cover, and handicap. And I had a blast this week because you watched something new. The Mexican fans were amazing. And John Rahm went in and did something that most players can't do. was the favorite got it done, led every single day, and finished the job. Wasn't the prettiest, but he got it done. Yeah, third winner this season to uh, hold the lead or the co-lead after all four rounds. Joaquin Nima did it at the Genesis Invitational. Camp Smith did it at the Tournament of Champions. That's that via Justin Ray. And Greg, for Rom, it's his seventh PGA Tour victory. When he is all said and done, we are not going to look back and say, Remember that Mexico Open? Remember that in 2022? That was a big one for John Rahm. But what it is likely to do is inject him with a lot of confidence. Uh, really scare maybe the rest of the tour because we've got three more major championships coming. We've got a lot of big time events this summer. And now Rahm is fresh off a of victory. Yes. And heading into a PGA championship where it looks like distance is going to be a big factor. It looks like driving is going to be a really important aspect. And we've seen that in a lot of recent PGA championships, maybe, maybe not so much at, uh, at Kiowa, but Beth page certainly comes to mind. And it sounds like Southern Hills is going to be a similar story. So uh, he will, he likely will go into that event as the favorite and, and, and on really good form, striking the ball beautifully and now has this little monkey, if you will, lifted off of his back. It's a really important aspect. But there's one other thing. You mentioned seven PGA Tour wins. He's got 14 um, 14 wins between the PGA Tour and the European Tour or the DP World Tour. And I, I don't know if you guys find this interesting at all, but six of those wins are national opens. He's got a U.S. Open, two Spanish Opens, two Irish Opens, uh, and also... Um, what did I, did I say? The U, now, now the the Mexico US Open and the U.S. U.S. Open. and the U.S. Open. So I don't know, um, but I'm thinking Canadian Open. John Rahm at the Canadian Open could be a factor. Maybe he should play the Irish Open. Maybe he should go play yeah. the South African Open, the Scottish Open. Got it. There's still more of these. John, go get right. them. Hey boys, yeah. the Scottish Open is now on the PGA Tour. It's an official tour of it. Yes, right. So that, that's going to make a big difference, I believe. So you got a U.S. on the PGA Tour, you have a U.S. Open, a Canadian Open, a Mexico Open. You got North America covered. You got a Scottish Open. You got a an Irish. Well, uh, just the Scottish Open for the PGA Tour. You got five of them. I could go could go could end up going pretty well for John Rahm. Jacob uh, aptly points out in the chat. How about the British Open, Greg? <laughs> uh, that's actually the Open. I know. Yeah. The Open. Oh. 
the Open Championship. So sorry. it's too big. It's too big. It's not. It's not just one nation's open. It's a what? A kingdom's open? Uh, I'm, I don't know. Yes, like I guess the UK. I don't know. Well, I'm not good enough at geography for that one. Um, he is uh, now the third most wins coached by a Spanish player, Sevi yep. and Sergio. So this is we we are starting to see the last couple of years with adding a major championship to the resume and continuing to pile up these wins. Rom really is creating the foundation of, of his resume of his world golf hall of fame resume of what we are going to look back on in hopefully a long time and say, wow, look at this great career. We're, we're in the midst of, of the foundation building of it right now. Yeah. We showed a graphic today on the, on the broadcast that so far this season, there's been seven, first-time winners on the PGA Tour. And you just never know where the players are going to go from there. Scotty Scheffler was on that graphic, which is really bizarre to think about because he had his first in February, and now he's at four. So it can happen quickly, and you just never know. But John Rahm, and you guys tell me if you agree with this or not, there's only a handful of players that when they show up somewhere, you are not surprised when they win and do well. You're also you're actually surprised when they don't do well and they don't play well. And John Rom to me, is in the top three of that category. I love his spirit. I love his emotion. I love how he goes about his business. And I, I call it too cool for school, meaning that when you show up somewhere and you're the star of stars and you're the only top 10 player there and everybody's talking about how they're not going to watch the tournament, they're not even going to care. What did he do day one? He got done, shot a 64, said, I love it here. My family loves it here. I could come back every single year. Full FedEx Cup points, full paycheck for the winner. He didn't care that there weren't any other top 10 players. The check doesn't care. The FedEx Cup points don't care. Guess who cares? Only the fans at home who bitch about it. Not John Rahm, not the players that were there. And to me, that's what champions are all about. You show up, you show up to win. I love it. I I absolutely agree. I I, I we also do this thing in like uh in handicapping or like in content creation where it's like, oh, this was this is going to be a bad week. It's just John Rahm and everybody else. And then by the time those same people, by the time we get to Sunday are like, wow, this thing's pretty fun. Kurt Kitayama might win this. Tony <laughs> Finau might freaking win this thing. Like it always ends up being good. It always it does. does. It does. And also it's, it's, these are the type of weeks that when you, from a, a gambling perspective, a betting perspective are the best weeks. Cause sometimes you can get a long shot that wins. Not today. But sometimes you can, and that's fun too to get a, a plus five thousand winner sometimes. And and the the level it highlights how close or how much parity there is in the game. Sure. Like the difference between Kurt Kitayama's game and John Rahm's game is really in this event, it's really close. Now, and John Rahm is probably he's probably the best player in, in our game right now, uh, over a, a long period of time. He's, he's probably uh, Scotty Scheffler's on an incredible hot streak and a deserving world number one. But I, I don't think it's a far cry to say John Rom's the best player in our game, even though he's not ranked that way. And when you have guys like Kurt Kitayama and Brandon Wu and, um, you know, the list goes on and on, um, coming down this, you know, Tony Finau's there in the mix. And all of a sudden, Davis Riley, these young kids coming up. And we get to know these guys. And you get familiar with them. Davis Riley is a guy, I mean, he has a beautiful golf swing to watch. And he could become a star on this tour at some point in the next couple of years. So it, it's a th these are really fun weeks. And they always create great competition. Uh, we'll end the John Rom segment with this quote that he gave to Amanda Renner afterwards. He said, quote, I don't really look at bets or anything like that. So I guess he doesn't watch 
the first cut. But yeah. I like to think that every time I tee it up, Coach, I'm the favorite. That's what John Rahm had to say. See, I can appreciate that because I feel the same way when I'm on the first cut every single Tuesday. With what? Are you? What are you going to say? I mean, I was, I was, I mean, I was flowing. I was flowing. I didn't, I didn't know what you were saying there. No, I was going to say that that sometimes when I show up on the mega preview on Tuesdays on the first cut, I feel like I am the favorite amongst superstars. I mean, we have five of the best minds in the business. But yet I understand John Rom feeling this way because this is exactly how I feel that what I say and the picks I make, and this is always the case, are always going to hit, are always going to be right. John Rom doesn't always win, but he feels like it. I get it. I get it. And that's something you have to have. I'm being a little facetious and sarcastic. But if you're going to be a great champion and you're going to be somebody that week in and week out, you show up and people are looking at you. Because think about this. The TV cameras also are on you all the time. We talked a lot about that this week, that there were guys that are on the featured groups that normally aren't there. So how do you handle that when the camera is with you all the time and normally you're on the other side of the golf course? That's a factor this week, too. And I thought John Rahm handled that beautifully as well. I'm glad you can be our conduit to John Rahm's uh, emotions there, Coach. Always, always appreciate it. Uh, Greg, you pointed out couple of guys I, I want to continue to talk about. We're going to get to the chase pack here, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Tony Finau had the Tony Finauiest top 10 ever. Greg, he got better each and every round. 71, 68, 66, 63. That Sunday final round ties the course record. He finishes runner-up while never really contending for one second. He was never really contending for one second runner-up finish. Yes. Um, now, there's definitely something to that. It's a little bit of a backdoor top two. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how often we say that. <laughs> is there something? I, yeah, I guess so. But if there is, this is exactly what what that looks like. He sneaks his way into. Uh, a, a T2 finish, which is great. But the, the real positive for me with Finau is that this this has been brewing over time. Uh, his his play has been a lot better than the results that he's shown. And what I mean by that is he has had an ability to hit the ball very well. Uh, his iron play has been great this year on the PGA Tour. Uh, his driving is is always good. Tita Green, he's he's a really, really good player, and he's having an awful putting year. So the scoring average goes way down. The birdies go way down. The finishing positions start to have threes, fours, and fives in front of them instead of you know ones and, uh, and, and single-digit numbers. So this was his first top 10 this year. But if you look at his numbers, you take a little bit of a deeper look, and he's the model. It's very similar to what Hudson Swafford was doing before he won the American Express. He's hitting it great, waiting for that good putting week. And it, when it happens, you can contend and win. Unfortunately for Tony, his first two rounds were, I mean, he lost over five strokes putting in those first two rounds. And it took away his chance of winning. But going forward, you look at a, a PGA championship uh, in, in event this week at TPC Potomac. And th these look like really good spots for Tony Finau. And I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him um, to win one of those tournaments. Hey, Greg, you know who called his first 36 holes this week at this tournament? You know who that was? I'm telling you, I got a DM. True story. Yeah. I got a DM from a fan. I rate. 
You are so unprofessional, coach. You are being so negative about Tony Finau. He's a professional, and it is your job to point out the positives and not the negatives. Really? Is it that my job? I'm telling you right now, and I'm not overhyping this. He easily, and I mean easily, could have been 22 or 23 under par. Oh, he, it, that's not overhyped at all, coach. I've never seen in my life covering golf a player hit it better than Tony Finau hit it for four days this week and putt worse in my golf commentating career. And then he said right after he got done today, hey, listen, it only takes one day to change your career, change your season, change your life. I'm like, that's what I say all the time on PGA Tour Live. And now he's going to be back inside the top 125 because seeing that red number next to his name, boys, that's not something we're used to. And now we won't have to see it anymore. He's back on it. And I'm telling you, do not be surprised if he wins very, very soon. He's hitting it unbelievably good. I mean, how many times I I, I was list, I did a lot of I did a little uh, traveling later last week. I was listening to a lot of it on PGA Tour radio, and they it, it sounded like every other shot it was to fiend out from six feet for birdie, fiend oh, out yeah. from eight feet for birdie, fiend, and he's still even he's even Tony fiend out even par. 12 feet for birdie and they all miss. It was on. It was, it was unbelievable. Crazy. It was crazy. And, and the, 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 the balls, they weren't even close to the hole from like five feet. They were like three inches outside. I mean, it was, it was, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And then today we kept seeing his name go up and up the leaderboard. And Andre kept looking at me going, what is this? Who is this? I'm like, cause we had him. We also had him Saturday. I called the first three rounds of Tony feet. I was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, Tony Finau loses five and a half strokes putting rounds one and two. Hard to make the cut doing that. And then he goes out and finishes uh, runner up. Friend of the pod, Brandon Wu, uh, also shot a 63 on Sunday. And he will also add a T2 to his resume here, coach. And uh, Brandon Wu's 2022 season has not started out well. The first PGA Tour full season of his career. He missed a ton of cuts to begin with. But now he's got five straight uh, made cuts. He's got this finish here. He's got the T3 in Puerto Rico. It seems like he's starting to get more comfortable on this circuit. Yeah, and I thought he played pretty well at the Zurich too. He he played in that, and he and we had him on on Sunday, which means he was doing something. But I believe he missed nine of his first ten cuts this year. And Rick, tell me if I'm correct on that. Uh, but what he has figured out is that he does belong out here because every single level of him growing up, college, uh, played at a high level, Stanford, and now he's starting to figure out what the PGA Tour is all about. Now, there was kind of a cool moment today. He was kneeling down on the green, and I believe it started on five. He was eight under over the course of 11 holes to get to where he was. And there was this huge huge scoreboard right behind him and he was like looking over his ball and there you see his face it says seven under t3 i was like he's got to see that he has <laughs> got to see that and he said afterwards he goes i had no idea he goes i had no idea until i got to 18 i thought i'd be pretty close and then he chunks one out of the the bunker and and had to two putt for a par but this kid is unassuming he's confident and now he was another player like tony finau who was outside of the top 125 and with this finish he moved all the way inside the top 90. That's how much a second place finish or third or top five can do and jump you up that FedEx Cup leaderboard. It only takes one week. And for Brandon Wu and Tony Finau, this was that week.
Yeah, big, big time. Um, I'll talk about Kirk Kitayama in a second, but Greg, you already talked about Davis Riley. So he finished solo fifth thanks to a 67-68 on the weekend. I want to read you some of the names that are probably the likely rookie of the year candidates. And you kind of tell me where Davis Riley falls into this thing. So Riley, yep. uh, best finish that playoff runner-up to Sam Burns. Uh, he's made 10 cuts. He's got three top tens. You can throw Cameron Young into the mix. He's got two runner-up finishes. He's got three top tens. Chad Ramey has a victory. He's the only rookie with a victory. Those are probably your three front runners. Where where does Riley fall into this thing? Well, it's hard to be. He's probably third. Um, and and you have Cam Young has contended in some really big events, right? He's the he is my favorite right now, even though he doesn't have the win like Chad Ramey does. Uh, but I I think. We haven't seen Rami consistently contend the way we have with Cam Young. So I would give him the edge there. But if if Davis Riley continues to play the way he's played, like this is you're talking about a a, a playoff loss, so a second, tied sixty-third, miscut, tied fourth, fifth. That you know, you start to contend in a couple of events in a row and add a win in there and it can change. So a, a win for Davis Riley, he's he's got enough with his top tens and and some of these top twenties and some really good recent play where a win would probably move him to first it would probably move. If he won next week, I'm not even sure if he's playing yet, but if he won next week, he would probably become the favorite uh, in that group. Yeah. Coach, I do find it interesting that uh, Davis Riley, who, yeah, he had the runner up finish the playoff loss to, to Sam Burns, but hasn't had a great year has a really nice finish the week after getting to play with Will Zalatoris at the Zurich and they go out and finish T4. I think there are some guys that get a lot of confidence, that get a little bit of a boost, just something different in the schedule. When you get to partner up with your buddy, you have a good week and you can carry the momentum and confidence on. And on Sunday, they shot a 666 in the alternate shot format. So what did that do for their confidence leaving Sunday? Well, I, I would say that would do a lot. Cam Young benefited from a really fast start, and we all know how the world ranking works. And so that's how he got into the Masters, because I was shocked, to be honest, that Cam Young got into the Masters. But he did, and I agree with Greg. I think he is the leading candidate for the uh, the rookie of the year. But Chad Ramey, to me, isn't there, because his win was an off opposite field event. I believe I'm correct on that. And I just feel like right now, if one of these cats can win, but it's going to be very difficult, because... All these big tournaments, a lot of the top players are going to play. So I would assume, Greg, to your point, a lot of the same players this week will be playing next week because it's the same type of field. Rory's going to be the star there uh, because after that, and it's not played at Quail Hollow, it's in Maryland, and it doesn't have the same cachet that Quail Hollow has because of the President's Cup. So I think you're going to see a weaker field there, and then the top players start to play. So what does that mean? A lot of the Corn Ferry Tour guys, a lot of the younger, the guys that are farther down, they're not going to get into these big events. So they've got to play every time they can tee it up, even if it means playing four, five, six weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. and I think Cam Young played, what, nine out of ten yeah. or something like that? He, I mean, he played every week to every push week. to get into the Masters. Yep. So yep. it'll be interesting. I'm also very curious. Now, next week's at TPC Potomac, um, which had, which is the place where Francesco Molinari won the Quicken Loans. So it, it has it does have a PGA Tour history here. Also, Kyle Stanley, by the I way, won the year you, before. Greg. I was hope I was waiting for you to name the other. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
It's uh, it, the field does look to be a little bit weaker than a typical Wells Fargo. And I'm wondering if that takes the next week, the AT&T Byron Nelson, and you're going to see a lot of these guys play there to get ready for the PGA. It's in Texas, PGA in Oklahoma, yes. easy travel turnaround. I think you're going to see a, a TPC Craig Ranch have a, a much stronger field this year. Uh, we will get to a little bit of a, a Wells Fargo preview in just one second, but let's put a cap on that final group of the day. Kurt Kitayama finishes in a tie for second. He's not current or technically a rookie of the year coach, so he's not included in that conversation. We saw him pop at the Honda Classic as well. He finished third there. Uh, his day basically came unwound when he made a bogey on the par five 14th. He was kind of battling it all day. I actually give him credit for, for hanging on and not letting the wheels fall off. And he finishes one shot behind John Rom. Yeah. He's got two ones on the DP world tour. And if anybody watches it in the middle of the night, then you've seen him routinely show up. Now he went to UNLV. My partner, Andre Gonzalez went to UNLV. So I learned a lot about Kitty Yama today. And Andre told me, he goes, do not sleep on this cat because he has world-class skills but just had to do what Brooks Kepka did, what Peter Uline did, and what a lot of other guys have decided to do, and play the DP World Tour because it's just easier to get starts over there. But now he wants to play the PGA Tour. So I would suggest that everybody get used to this name being at the top of leaderboards because he's going to be up there a lot. Uh, but also, real quick, I wanted to point out Cameron Champ because I thought he had a big week for himself, Rick. But when you look at stats, there's a reason why you're 181st on the PGA Tour FedEx Cup list. And you saw it today play out right in front. A triple Sunday, he, he wasn't able to hang on. Kitayama was, which tells me what he has inside is pretty strong when you're chasing John Rahm and playing with him. And I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, we'll lump, we'll lump those both those guys together, Greg, because they play with John Rahm in the final pairing. Uh, and both were a little bit shaky. The wheels did fall off for, for cam champ. He makes a triple on number eight after driving it into the penalty area. His ball was embedded. He had a mud ball situation after it. Just, it just, it was an ugly hole and he was never able to rebound. Um, I would argue the last 21 holes, 22 holes for cam champ were pretty ugly. He ended his Saturday kind of week. He was never able to build momentum on Sunday. So con contrasting that with Kurt Kitayama as they all played out of the final group. Well, I, I thought they both played pretty well early. Um, I was impressed with cam champ early. He got himself to what did he get himself to 16 under uh, one shot back. Uh, he was in within one of John Rahm before he made triple. Yeah. And um, uh, look, I, I think Kitayama kind of was fighting his swing a little bit today. Um, it looked like he was trying to save it. Camp Champ after the triple just looked, he looked a little dejected. Um, it, 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 he didn't grind the way Kitayama did. And I, I don't know, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just the appearance. I, I don't know what's going on in his head, but it didn't seem like, hey, it didn't seem like he was trying to pump himself up in his own self talk. It looked like the shoulders were slumping a little bit more. The pain, he was, he was done with it. Where Kitayama was really grind, he was really trying, he was really working at it, which I thought was nice to see. So, um, Camp Champ, world of talent. I, I just wonder if this was a golf course that set up really well for him. I, I don't think we learned anything new about Camp Champ. I do think we learned a little bit about Kurt Kitayama, and it, what we learned is he's the real deal. Hey, Rick, quick question for you. Sure. So every week I I put. I do two tickets, win tickets. This week, I happen to bet on Cameron Champ plus 3,100. Do you know the only thing when you're calling live golf that can make you more upset than Mark Immelman sending you a GIF 
or a meme or some horrible way of talking trash, you know the only thing that can upset me more than that is when you're calling live golf and you see the guy that you have a plus 3,100 ticket who's right there at the top of the leaderboard disappear. And that happened to me today. We may or may not have had about 30 seconds of silence. I don't know. I can't remember. I blacked out. But that <laughs> happened to me today, live on the air. Yeah, it wasn't great, Coach. I, you, and I, you and I both with uh, Cam Champ tickets, and I knew I knew it wasn't going to be easy, right? When John Robb's at the top of the leaderboard, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I was just looking for that Cam Champ magic, and we just never got it. It, was it hurt, tough. man. It hurt. It hurt. I know. It did hurt. Um, finally, before we move on here, Mexico Open did have uh, three native Mexicans in the field. The Ortiz brothers and Abraham answer were the three out of the 10 to make the cut. And gentlemen, Greg, I'll start with you. We have talked a lot about growing the game in the last 12 months. And and whether that is via other tours uh, or whatever it is to grow the game, maybe it's Steph Curry's uh, new tour that he's putting together for junior players, but having a big time national championship uh, on golf's largest stage and having three of your countrymen make the cut and represent well, that's a really good way to grow the game. I absolutely agree. Uh, and these players can, you watch somebody like an Abraham answer or a Carlos Ortiz. I say them because they are PGA tour winners and you, you watch them as a young fan and it can inspire you to play to pick up the game and work harder at the game and, and try to get to the highest level like those before you did. And my hope is that eventually we have more than three Mexican players in the Mexico open. Uh, and, and these guys could be the leaders in that, but I mean, I'd, I'd really like to see a, a field where, you know, you have, I, I don't know how many, but you got well, to have more than three. You got no, to have was, more than there was 10. There was 10. These oh, are the three were, that made the cut. These are the three that yeah, made the there, cut. There was, yeah, there was actually ten from Mexico that played. Ten total. All right, so that's a yeah. better that's a better number. But you yeah. still, over time, you hope that number that grows, and and it's players like this who can who can make that happen. I, I think for Abraham Answer, it's probably a little bit of a disappointing performance, but um, but it, it it still means it means a lot to be there. It means a lot to have this event be on the PGA Tour now. It's a it's a really cool thing. Uh, Al beats Carlos for the brotherly bragging rights for another year coach. And I mean, you could see it out there. The fans were, there were all week long. There were, there were sizable uh, galleries around these guys. There, there is an excitement around golf in Mexico and especially around these three. Well, Alvaro is the defending champion that wasn't talked about a lot this week. He won this event last year. It was on the PGA Tour Latino Americas. Abraham Answer, he's got to uh, dial his schedule back for this event. We were told all the promotion that he was asked to do because this is the first time in what, 60 years that it's been an official PGA Tour event. So he, he said, hey, give me all of it. I, I want to do all the promotion. This is here. This is me. I want to win it. And he was just – I think he was gassed by the time he teed it up on Thursday and had nothing because he didn't have any energy uh, that you would assume he would have playing in his open with all the emotion. We had John Sutcliffe, uh, the great Latino announcer from ESPN. He walked nine holes Friday and today, told us so many cool stories about what this event means to the Mexican people, to the Mexican players, and they want to turn this into something that Latino players can look at, just like Americans do with certain tournaments and say, if I play well enough where I am, I can play in this. 
And that's what they're trying to do to get avenues to play in this, which then a top 10 could get you in another tour event. And you see how it can kind of trickle down if you play well when you get the opportunities. And that's what the PGA Tour is trying to do with all of these different tours in all of the different cultures and adding the Mexico Open and the Scottish Open to the schedule this year. I love it. I love it. So it's it's awesome stuff. So cool to see. It was a great event. But gentlemen, we're going to turn our attention forward. Wells Fargo Championship next week. We've got to cover our best bets. We've got to update our one and done standings. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Wells Fargo Championship. Greg, we alluded to this earlier. Not at Quail Hollow. We're saving that for the President's Cup, my friend. That will be... What September? I think is is the date of that. Mid-September. Yes. Yeah. The after after the tour championship because we are going to TPC Potomac. Two years it was the host for the Quicken Loans National. You mentioned it, Kyle Stanley, victorious one year. Francesco Molinari in the other. It's a it's a pretty different course than uh, than Quail Hollow is. Yes, it's uh, um it, well it's still a hard golf course. Yeah, it's not very easy. Francesco Molinari won at twenty one under par, but I think second place was thirteen under. Um, and so uh, he he torched the field, and that was when that was really the start, or at least in the middle of that hot streak, the year that he won the Open and um and went five and zero oh in the Ryder Cup. He also won the Italian Open, and I think the I think he won at Wentworth as well. So he he had a great year and and really lit up the golf course. But it's it's a difficult golf course, and it can be it can present a lot of challenges. It's not overly long, um, but it is uh, it is a par seventy, and the par fives are extremely long and extremely difficult. And that that is a big contributing factor to what you see with winning scores. So. Um, it, it really opens this field. I think a guy like Tony Finau is going to have a great week here. You got to hit the ball. Well, you think of Kyle Stanley and you think of not only bet terrible putting, um, but you think of great ball striking Francesco Molinari during that time. Great ball striker. That's, that's what this leaderboard is going to look like uh, heading into next week. Yeah. The, the par fives are animals. There's only two of them. Uh, Roy McElroy in the field coach, Corey Connors in the field, Russell Henley, Terrell Hatton, Abraham answer, Paul Casey, Webb Simpson, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau. Is this getting you excited at all? Uh, it is. I got excited for this week and then with a lot more star power next week. Uh, but you mentioned it. Everybody that you said for the most part is an elite ball striker and they're going to need to have it next week. I think next week guys really starts the, the road to the finals three months, whatever you want to call it, because now a ton of big events. We got uh, three majors coming up, and now you got these players that are playing well. And I love the Tony Finau call from Greg there at a place where uh, you have to hit it well. I think sometimes something we don't talk about and really hurts the fields at certain places is par 70 golf courses because big boy hitters don't like to play par 70s. They just don't. They want the poor four pi, uh, the four par fives. They want an event like this week, where part of the reason I believe John Rom won is because of the four par fives. Two of them were over six hundred yards, and he reached a couple in regulation. But only and that's a- why the leaderboard looks like it does, right? Everybody there ends up being a really long hitter. That's exactly right. So I think next week, and and you see this in a lot of tournaments, is the guys look at the, the and they say, "Now, what is Quail Hollow? It's a par seventy-two. That's why it gets such a good field every year because it's a great golf course and the big boys love to play it. And par 70s, I to be honest, and I hate even though I work for the PGA, I don't like par 70 courses. I don't like to watch them as a fan. I will, 
because I'm addicted to golf, but I like par 72s. That's what I like. Uh, Coach, the road to the final three months. If we come up with a snappier name than that, we could probably get the PGA Tour to sponsor it. It'll be like the Michelin 90-day challenge. Like, oh. you know, they'll throw something. You know, like, they've got I'll, everything sponsored. I'll, I'll talk to the bosses. I'll yeah. talk to the bosses. See what you can do about that. Uh, best bets, gents. Uh, we did okay here. Let's see. Mark has two best bets, which I don't know how that works because best can't be two different ones. But his nationality pick, uh, Graham McDowell, top uh, GB&I player, that that did not cash. Aaron Rye beat GMAC by two shots. But he did get, ooh, look at this one here, Greg. Davis Riley over Cam Champ and CT Pan at plus 190. Champ's par on 18 and struggles down the stretch allowed Davis Riley to cash this ticket for Mark. Wow, that that's a big pull. A really big pull. I, but, I mean, it's a surprising best bet. Do we do we know if Mark knows what plus nine one ninety means? No. <laughs> uh I think he does now, but there was a time he oh. told me that he would okay. only take the the plus numbers because why would I lay extra money down or something like that? Is what he said. Yeah, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever do that? That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Uh, KP, who I uh, presume is still on vacation, uh, went with Kevin Na over Patrick Reed. That was a push. They both tied. Uh, Coach, you got weekended by Tony wow. Finau here because it was Gary Woodland over Finau for you. Finau charges on the weekend and uh, beats Gary Woodland. And it's bittersweet because I lose a showdown to Mark. I had Kevin Na over Woodland, and I forgot that Woodland was my best bet over Finau. So I lost both. How does that happen when uh, you get Woodland for you and Woodland against you, and I lose both? Oh, How does that happen? That's dirty. That's real that's, dirty. That is. That's very dirty. Very, uh, very dirty. My top 10 plus 450. How about that? Cam Champ top 10. Look at you. I, I'll admit I got a little I got a little nervous. When he that made was, that was yeah. eight, and I'm like, oh, well, now he's just going to eject <laughs> on this. He doesn't care about my top 10 wager one single bit. <laughs> it was close. You hung on by the skin of your teeth there, Rick. Yeah, then he's in the back bunker on 18, and he just kind of flubs it out. And I'm like, oh, God, please. Like, <laughs> get in the clubhouse, Cam. My God. Uh, all right, gents. One final thing to do here. That is update our one and done selection. So no real big movement here because uh, the highest earner, was Gary Woodland at 60,955 T24. That goes to Mark, goes to Greg, goes to the fans, goes to Sia. So, Greg, I'll go here with you. You you technically win the week, but you can't feel all that good about it. No, I mean, I, uh, I'm i I'm very happy to win the week. I am, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not missing Gary Woodland tremendously. I, I don't think there's a ton of events coming up where we have to play Gary Woodland. So, it's not a huge, it, it's nice. It just, I was expecting it to be a lot better. I really thought Gary Woodland was going to contend this week uh, and possibly win. And a T24 is respectable, but round two was really disappointing for me. So I, I hope it was a little more, but happy to win the week. Uh, Coach, you were on the Kevin Na train with uh, Jacob and myself kind of we'll get to that in just one second 23,287 everybody basically treads water here yeah i got an email unfortunately on wednesday and we do the show on tuesday uh from mark connerval who was my walker for my marquee grouping by the way i only do the main feed and the marquee group don't call me for the other two so mark sends an email to all of us he's like only big hitters need apply this week after walking the course for two days 
as I'm reading that, and I already had Kevin Na picked and done and in the bank, I was like, oh, no. And so I was like, can I? Can I? Can I? So taking 23000 uh, I knew on Thursday it wasn't going to be a big cash, uh, but I'm just glad that Woodland did nothing, so I didn't lose a lot of, a lot of uh, space there. Uh, Kyle got 48000 for Sebastian Munoz, T29, and I got a big fat zero because uh, I had already used Kevin Na. First event of the year. I just thought it was crazy. I didn't even check the spreadsheet because <laughs> I didn't think I would ever consider using Kevin Na once this year, let alone twice this year. Apparently, I have zero for me. And before people crush Rick, it's easier to do than you think. It's, really it's easier to do than you think. It really, really is. So I'm not even going to tease you, Rick, because I'm sure that I could do it. Oh, I did do it this year already. Yeah, yes. Kyle did it like three times in one year. So. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. That was by January. <laughs> <laughs> and especially when you have somebody like slate it out for an, you say, all right, this is a, this is a nah week. I know it's a nah week. There's not going to be another one. This is perfect. Oh, but. I said that at the Fortinet. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I guess the, I guess the lesson to be learned. <laughs> you should have seen my face when Jacob texted me and said, uh, yeah, you already used Nah," And I was like, that's impossible. There's no <laughs> way I have used Kevin Nah in this one and done this. Did season. you go check the spreadsheet? I did. I then I did. It was a little too yeah. late at that point. Oh, there he is. First. I don't even have to first scroll one. down. Yeah. First week of the year. Uh, if the fans did indeed go with John Rom, they would have added 1.3 million coach and they would be in second place with 5.7 million dollars. I wonder if there is going to be some turmoil amongst the fans this week. Well, I mean, they're all fighting with each other right now in the chat. I just love watching them go at each other because what's going to happen is they're going to start to overthink it when they vote every week. So you're going to have like 10% here and then they're just going to self-implode. So clearly, the last two weeks I've got in their heads, and they've changed their thing. They miss a cut. And then this week, when they could have gone with John Rahm, he was one of the four selections, and you didn't. All you fans at home couldn't get the job done. You were scared to leapfrog me. You were scared to leapfrog Jacob. And hence, you didn't go with the big boy. We'll see what happens next time. But right now, Rick, it's too easy playing with the fans. Too easy. All right, that should sufficiently rile them all up. Um, gentlemen, we're headed to Maryland next week. We'll have DFS preview on Monday, Mega Preview Pod on Tuesday, round by round recaps. Any final thoughts before we get out of here on this Mexico Open? I got one little very quick story. If you don't think that players or caddies hear what you say as an announcer, this happened. You guys remember the other day when John Rahm marked his ball with a poker chip and then Charles Howe III hit it and bounced over and went to the right? Yes. I literally and, – and so John Rahm said, did it move? His caddy's sitting right there. I go, well, it didn't move enough to make a difference. Literally, his caddy goes, they just said – didn't move enough to make a difference. Rom goes, okay, marked his ball and put. I was like, I was in disbelief. <laughs> they literally used my commentary to decide if they were going to move his big old poker chip. They hear it. I don't know how they heard it, but they heard it. That's wow. Yeah, it. it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, we have also found out, Greg, that there are uh, players and people in spheres of players that listen to the first cut and things that we sometimes say always get back to them. I've learned that the hard way a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't let it affect you. You do your you do your job to the best of your ability. Yeah. And if we keep doing that, then hopefully they uh, they respect us for it.
I'll just keep spitting those hot takes. Fire. Hot takes. Big thanks to Producer Jacob does all the hard work behind the scenes. The coach, you can find him on Twitter at The Coach Rules. That's Greg Ducharm. You can find him on Twitter at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. We'll be right back. 